It's ball talk. It's ball talk, baby. 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 Hello and welcome to the Ball Talk podcast. It is currently 4:20 p.m. on Monday, March 15th, Eastern Standard Time, and all that. I'm your host, John Sock, and as always, I'm joined by my main man, Chaz Jurgens. And today, we're lucky to be joined by special guest, Nate Saunders. Nate, how are you doing, my man? Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, man. So Nate is a professional referee for the game that we all love, basketball. And we figured this could be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, We're about to walk into March Madness. We're about to walk into the NBA playoffs. And we know that everyone's going to be yelling about the refs. So, hey, we thought this was perfect. <laughs> let's, let's bring a ref in. Let's go. Let's get yes, it done. Sir. Yeah. Cool. I wanted to, to kick it off to talk to you what it's been like over the past year. I know you've been refing for a little while now, but just since COVID and everything has happened, traveling for refereeing, I'm sure, and just games in general has been a lot more complicated. Just how has that process been for you of trying to find work and keeping busy and just refereeing the game of basketball now do you guys do masks on all the time or um well listen i i can, I can speak from a canadian perspective like there's no basketball going on and there hasn't been since mm. it uh basically kicked in right after the youth sports championships last year um mm. everything's been shut down um Sheesh. we did have uh the canadian elite basketball league take place last summer um, and again, the protocols were all in place there. It was, it was uh, amazingly run. Um, yeah, we were, we had our masks, not officiating with the mask, but we use it. We're using, um, the electronic whistle, which is something we've never really done before. So they didn't really want us blowing into a whistle again, spreading, uh, whatever out into the air. So we were using electronic whistles. Uh, the league was run without a hitch, you know? So, um, mm. despite the, uh, pro, uh, COVID protocols, we were able to get that league done and played. But outside of that, um, yeah, there has been no basketball. Again, I'm on the Ontario side of things right now. No mm-hmm. basketball here. There are talks of it maybe starting up for this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the CEBL is uh, planning to be up and running again um, tentatively. So, uh, again, we're just looking for any basketball we can get from a referee standpoint. I can only imagine the players as well. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I can speak internationally too. Um, they have been playing games um, in, and they've kind of formed bubbles. Mm. Um, unfortunately, Canadian referees have had a hard time trying to go again with all these travel protocols in and having to quarantine. Mm. Um, Canadian referees have kind of uh, gotten the short <laughs> end of the stick with the uh, with COVID now lately. So, haven't been hasn't been a lot of representation uh, from Canadians internationally, um, mm-hmm. basketball wise. But um, again, uh, the Olympics are coming up, and we'll wait and see. Uh, fingers mm-hmm. crossed, we can get that. Uh, we can get officials there, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that I've always thought about for referees, because usually you try to get guys from from different countries or for to diversify your group, especially in international tournaments. So it's mm-hmm. always nowadays you don't want too many guys from the home nation when you have a game, especially for competitive teams. We had another episode where someone had said that in the one of the U Sports quarterfinals or semifinals, they had a referee whose nephew was the starting point guard of the team that he was refing in like a semifinal <laughs> of a Canadian championship. So yeah, it's definitely important to be able to get those international referees. Speaking on how you became a referee and how long you've been doing this, I know you've mm-hmm. I've known you for a little while now since you were back in high school. And just tell me what you did to become a referee, how it started for you, and where you 
have taken it from where it started? Um, I started in uh, 2004. Uh, at the time, I was in high school, and uh, literally uh, just one day, gym teacher said, hey, there's a game after school. There's a shortage of referees. Uh, can you referee this basketball game? And I said, you know, not wanting to turn down an easy coin, I said, sure thing. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know much about refereeing, but I'll give it a shot. Um, mm-hmm. How did you do? How did you do? Oh, it. you know what? <laughs> to this day, I still think back at that. It was the most catastrophic game probably ever played in the history of the world. Um, <laughs> I just, again, like, it's just some of the things that help um, help me realize where we've come from and, you know, where we can get, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Again, uh, following that day, uh, I did attend the, an official referee session where I was coached and mentored and then um, did my first year. I started in, in Laval uh, and was... Mm-hmm. Um, basically um yeah mentored along and just refereed a lot of games this is what i tell young officials just see a lot of games keep watching a lot of basketball and again you got to know your rules inside out because that's that's part of our job um mm-hmm. and so um yeah it's taken me uh again started locally in laval uh and transitioned to uh, montreal where there were more games uh more competitive play um, refereed everything I can get my hands on uh, under mm. the sun there, you know, youth leagues, senior men's leagues, uh, provincial championships. Um, uh, came 2012 and I got uh, the chance to certify for my international license, which is, um, you, is you basically it's a one shot deal, right? Um, mm. And, uh, you know, I was, you know, thankfully so well prepared by the people around me. Um, and yeah, I got my certification in 2012. It happened in Montreal. Um, and then since then, I've just been on the international scene and have been very grateful for it. Um, mm-hmm. Work tournaments in um, South Korea, um, all over the, the America, South America, Argentina. Um, and yeah, it's just been a one great ride. And one ride I never thought I would do. I came from a playing perspective, right? I was love to play basketball. Um, knew what, I wasn't going to make the NBA, so I figured, hey, let me just uh, give this a shot. Um, picked up a whistle one day and... Here I am, uh, what is it, almost, uh, can't even do the math here, but uh, about 15, 17 years later, and uh, yeah, it's it's been one heck of a ride, and I'm looking forward to uh, whatever's down the line, too. Mm. No, it's it's a great journey. I know I, I started officiating a little bit more like baseball and hockey when I was younger, and I knew I wasn't going to keep playing either of those sports, so I figured I'd get on the other side of it and try to make a little money as well. And it is a lot of fun, especially I started at the youth level and it's great, but I never had the passion like you did to, to keep going and keep pushing to the international stage. What do you think are are some of the most important, man? It's not too late. (laughs) It it definitely isn't. You know what I'm saying? Even for basketball, it could always get there. For sure. What do you think would be what the most important qualities for, for good referees, for young referees at every level, if you're starting at high school or by the time you get to college university and even the pros, like, um, definitely you, you just have to keep learning, uh, keep adjusting. Um, it, it's, it's, um, it, it is what you make of it, right? Um, you, you can, if you want, just go out there and, uh, you know, stick to one level, what you're comfortable with go in and out, ref your game and leave. But if you do want to aspire to more, you're going to have to put that time in, uh, mm-hmm. keep learning, um, learn from your peers. There are some, I've met some of my best friends in life through officiating mm-hmm. basketball. Um, and again, we're, it's just so constructive. 
Um, we talk about plays. We call each other while we're watching games, talking about plays. Um, and again, like we just love the game and we just want to mm-hmm. get the calls right. Like at the end of the day, <laughs> we just want to get those calls right. We all know we're never going to ref a perfect game, but we're mm-hmm. still out there and we're, and we're uh, you know, it's, it's the love of the game at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, for young referees, just get out there, um, work hard, take the criticisms uh, from all over make your own, you kind of say, make your own pizza with it. Like, you know, develop yourself into what you want to become as a referee. And uh, yeah, mm. sky's the limit. Do you ever walk out of a game and go, yeah, I killed that game. That was, <laughs> I, I was on it. <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, we're, we're still like, we got that competitive um, inside of us too, right? As referees, mm-hmm. yeah, I walk I like- out that game. And sometimes I'll, I'll be doing that. Yeah, like I, I, I got that call right. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. It's a good feeling. And and likewise, on the other side of the coin, um, when we kick a call, um, I, I don't know what the player perception really is, but man, like sometimes I go two and three days and that call is still on my mind. Like some days I can't even sleep because I'm like, that call is eating me up right now. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, uh, it's... it's um, it's a tough, it's tough, right? Cause it's split second decisions. Um, mm-hmm. the game is so quick. Um, especially at the NBA level, like I know we'll probably get into some NBA talk, uh, pretty <laughs> shortly, but that game, let me tell you guys, the game is so fast. Um, mm-hmm. and it's not really on TV. It's kind of, again, we get the, the, the advantage of replays on TV, but in real time, that game is so quick and those officials on the floor making those decisions are really the, the cream of the crop because it's it's one heck of a, um, a performance they're doing out there we, we actually have an episode coming out well it'll it'll come out before this interview but we're only going to be filming it after the interview because timing is weird on this podcast <laughs> but one of the things that i'm going to advocate for is we need to cut the refs a lot more slack with this replay it's hard to call a game oh man 100 speed especially at the nba level especially at even like top levels in in canada in europe and all these you get some like athletic monsters people weren't built to move like that and these (laughs) these guys are doing stuff that a hundred years ago people thought would never be possible like Mm -hmm. and refs just have to look at it dissect it in a matter of seconds 100 percent um and and it's different where you know basketball officiating is different from that of hockey is a really good example Football, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure of the comparisons, but again, hockey, you know, the referee actually has a second or two. Oh, do I have do I need to make this call and then and then can put the hand up, you know, for the for the infraction. Whereas in basketball, you know, something <laughs> happens and and we're literally like we're programmed to like, are we hearing a whistle or are we not hearing a whistle? And and mm-hmm. that basically determines if the call is being made or not. Another thing is I know uh in, in um uh football, again, you can uh retract a uh, you can take back a uh, a penalty, mm-hmm. right? Like if you don't want to go ahead with it, type thing. Basketball, yeah. once the whistle's blown, it's it's blown. Right? It's blown. <laughs> yeah, there's no going back. There's no going back. You're taking it to the table, right? And and reporting mm-hmm. it. So, um, yeah, it's uh, again, I'm not I'm not going to be pushing here to be cutting refs to slack, but again, uh, it's um, it's unique to say the least. Uh, basketball officiating. Mm-hmm. I've never thought of that perspective on it before. That's actually really interesting. I, I also mm-hmm. like. I mean, I was watching, uh, what was it, Miami, Orlando last night, and a ref blew a whistle like two, three seconds late, and they were getting chastised for it. And I, mm-hmm. I, I had never, like, sat down and realized, like, any other sport, like, 
you can get away with a late wrestle, not really basketball, because mm-hmm. basketball is the only sport that just the whistle blows, it's dead. Yeah, it's it's really one of its kind. Um, and and it's and again, like uh, it could be something that maybe can change in the future. Um, again, our goal is always to get the highest accuracy of calls, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, is that something that we could see change down the line? Who knows? Again, but the speed of the game, and and again, I know the FIBA concept is um, they like the pace, they love the pace. So, mm-hmm. who knows? Who knows? Uh, who knows what they have in mind? Mm-hmm. I was I'm thinking about it because for me, whenever I was officiating for for baseball and things like that, that was one of the things they always told us was you know like you, you make your call, but take your time, make sure that you're set, you're comfortable with what you're saying and what you're doing, so that the players and the coaches they can see that you know what you're doing and you're confident with your calls. And I feel like basketball, I know I'm guilty of it, and I know John's guilty of it too as players. It's like as soon as that whistle's blown, if I was the primary defender, I'm gonna turn around and look at you right away. Like, what what was that? Because I know it can't be on me. Yeah and, yeah. and I think basketball is one of those unique things where refs just have to look at it. And I think we should, we definitely should let a lot, a lot more time elapse. You blow your whistle, walk to the table, make the call. Like give the guy some time. He's doing his job just like everybody else's and and let him go about it without start berating them as soon as the whistle gets blown. I, I yeah. just want to say that that was a direct mm-hmm. quote from Chaz that I've heard at least eight times. <laughs> at least. <laughs> I've, I have heard it in my sleep. I have heard it in my dreams. <laughs> well said. So, Nate, you've been doing this for over 15 years now. For one. Really impressive, by the way. I I I refed uh, I refed basketball for about two weeks, and uh, I I quit. I quit for a reason. I liked volleyball. Volleyball was easy. Um, awesome. Have you ever been starstruck when refing a game that someone someone was on the other side, someone was on the on the floor, and you're like, oh my god, that's that's so and so, and you've just been like right. oh, starstruck. Um, you know, I try really hard. I try really, really hard. Um, to, you know, again, like my uh, get out there. I just want to be objective. I just want to get the calls right. Um, I will say that uh, I've fallen prey to just being starstruck. I mean, um, I, it was in uh, Laval when Duke came down to play. Oh, you were um, at that game? Uh, yeah, yeah was I was uh, fortunate enough to work that game. Zion and uh, Rowan Bart, uh, Barrett were there. Um, mm. And, of course, Coach K is the first one I've seen. Actually, he was the first play <laughs> up the floor. First play <laughs> up the floor, and Coach K starts going off on me. I'm like – and then it hit me. Coach K is chewing into me right now. I think <laughs> I've made it in life. <laughs> I, th- I like that. <laughs> it's just one of those things. It. It's it's one of those things. It's like that's going mm-hmm. yeah, and, and anyway, so again, going past that, and um, yeah, from a playing perspective too. Sometimes you just can't help it. Like um, Zion just went up for a dunk, and I remember from my position um, officiating, I remember just seeing his eyes literally at rim level, <laughs> at the at the size of the guy, right, like six nine, two sixty or whatever he is, and mm-hmm. it, it, you just can't help it. Sometimes again, the athleticism of it. Uh, mm-hmm. of the game you just can't help being starstruck by just the talent of these athletes um and that's why you know like um when you get the chance to go and see an nba game live it, it really puts things into perspective you know the speed the talent i just remember even i not that i ever reffed him but having seen lebron play in person it was just you know just a whole new appreciation seeing these guys work um in real time so 
yeah from a referring I, perspective i try i try not to be starstruck but yeah i will say guilty of. <laughs> we admire the honesty I like <laughs> that duke game was incredibly officiated if i do say so myself it was the best it was the most well officiated 40 point blowout i've ever seen <laughs> oh man um, good times no that was a great game uh a little bit more towards the NBA now, there is a lot of controversy in the past few years, and especially these seasons around technical fouls in the NBA. Do you think techs are starting to be given out too softly, too quickly? What's just your general view on a technical foul or what goes through your head when you assess a technical foul to a player? Um, okay, big uh, big question there. Um, just because yeah. we'll start on the NBA front. Um, uh, so I, I don't know if you guys have uh, refereed a senior men's game, but not only is it senior men's play, where typically there's a lot of there's a lot of you know chin chat. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's you know because these guys are just so talented and they you know it's the NBA game. There's a lot of talk going on. Um, mm-hmm. I've never refed at that level, um, but again, yeah. there is so much going on. A um, lot of talk, a lot of egos. These are multi-millionaires uh, playing the game at the highest level. Um, and again, they'll get frustrated like any other person in any other game will get frustrated. Um, mm-hmm. am I to say that their the tech, technical fouls are coming out too quick? Are they, are they not? Are they too lenient? It's hard to say. I can say that the NBA referees do have, um, a very strict, um, guideline as to what qualifies as a technical foul. So mm-hmm. there are certain things you just can't say there are certain, um, especially in, in the arena setting, um and with you know potential children in the sideline areas you say certain things yeah you're going to be you're going to be hit with a technical foul um because again the game is um whether it's fiba or nba there's a certain decorum that they have to maintain like the game Mm -hmm. is um there's certain um you know codes of codes of just basic etiquette uh, mm-hmm. of game that, that need to be respected. Um, so, uh, you know, profanity is always going to be addressed. You just, you just can't have that. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that uh, I see in the NBA a lot, uh, which will differ from how it's addressed, I would say from the FIBA side of things is the constant, mm. the, the constant talking, right? Um, yeah. We see it in the NBA, like literally play after mm-hmm. play after play. It's nonstop. Um the NBA referees have a long leash for that. Um, and again, their mechanics are set up um, differently to address that. So I, I don't know if the general public's aware, but the NBA referees, uh, once they call a foul, will generally move to the coaching side to be mm-hmm. able to provide that explanation, to be able to uh, enable that dialogue. Um, mm-hmm. Where it's different in the FIBA game, where the, the emphasis isn't really to explain your call, it's more of the call is made, we're going to keep playing. The referee mm-hmm. actually moves to the opposite side of the floor as to mm. not get into any form of conversation or, 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 or dialogue, right? Um, so again, they're, they're handled two different ways. Um, the NBA side of things, um, uh, you know, when players do um, start to wave their hands in the air, uh, wave offs, those are things that will be deemed technical fouls. And again, that's in their protocols. Um mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so again, it's, um, it's hard to say, uh, I don't envy the NBA, NBA refs cause they go like just being 
chirp to, and mm-hmm. again, it's not just any chirping. It's Draymond in the, in this series, <laughs> and then you're getting, at the end you're getting spoken to by um, you know yeah. whoever else in the other. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot to deal with. Um, I think they do a great job. I know recently in the last two weeks there was the Devin Booker situation, and there was also um, mm-hmm. uh, Kyle Lowry got one last night. Cal, uh, did he? I see. You know, I mean, I missed that one. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll wait to see what the, the talk is on that. But um, again, like, uh, I think the league and the league in the past has addressed it. Um, they've gone mm-hmm. to like, um, zero zero tolerance before, um, mm-hmm. and and other times in other past seasons, we've kind of seen like a longer leash. Um, it it yeah. varies. It varies. Um, I think the league will be addressing something coming up shortly about it um just because it is it is uh been in the news or uh, been in talk mm-hmm. quite recently so we'll see where the league goes with again we're either reframing that criteria or how they want to go about it and then for for you with FIBA and for for college level university level what for you what does go through your mind when you give out technicals or what can prompt technicals for you at, at that level because I know it's it's always hard to kick a player out or give players grief or things mm-hmm. like that because you you want to see the game be played at the highest level of course so just yeah. what is it that that constitutes a technical foul for you and what do you let guys get away with that they maybe shouldn't? Um. So again, like you know, on the FIBA side, I think we have our protocol. We have our kind of standard, um, you know, decorum or etiquette. Um, same mm-hmm. thing for the sport level. Same thing for the junior levels. Like we, we just have certain things. Again, profanity is always going to be addressed. Um, and then at the end of the day, it's um, you know, it's just respect. And we understand people and players get they they get frustrated. Coaches get frustrated. Mm-hmm. It's part of it. Um, there's just certain ways that you you can you have to manifest it. Um, yeah you know i've seen coaches uh get down on the ground and start you know <laughs> flailing around and rolling around on the floor like where is that ever tolerable <laughs> um so um yeah that will be a technical foul 10 times out of 10 right and mm-hmm. again it's just because um you know part of it's just kind of holding that etiquette line like if well if i let the coach do that um you know it, we basically say what we permit we promote Right. Mm-hmm. So if I let him roll around on the ground, well, in, you know, the, the other coach can go around and do that. Do I really want two people rolling around on the, on the, and then my, and then it's the same thing for the following games. So again, we're trying to just hold the line. Um, people mm-hmm. have to remember that it's just, it's zero personal. It's a technical foul is zero personal. Um, the game just has etiquette and we're just trying to maintain those etiquette lines um, when officiating, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it, it'll vary. Some, some leagues will have more strict, uh, I've seen some uh, senior leagues with more strict um, uh, tolerance for for yapping or talking to officials, um, and others it's just kind of like you know figure it out on your own. You know, you yeah. make, make that decision of what what's a technical and what's not. But at the end of the day, referees need to remember it's not personal, and it's and it should never get personal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just yeah, maintaining respect and decorum for technical fouls, for sure. No, and it's something that's hugely important, especially for the NBA and for, for other leagues, FIBA, you try to grow the game and you're putting on, you're representing for the, the company, the organization, the association, so you don't want fans or people involved to come away with the bad perception of what the league actually is or what the game tries to promote. So that right. is definitely a great point about how referees need to make sure to not only protect players and coaches with their calls, but also just the, the league itself and the fans about how what can be permitted to actually be shown for this and representative of them 
Yeah, I like I, that. I'm, I'm, that's a great point. The, I'm, I'm, the NBA is aware, uh, and mm-hmm. so is FIBA. That again, everyone's watching those two platforms, right? And so, whatever happens there will eventually trickle trickle down into the lower levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, it is super important. And and, and I've kind of seen it too, like um, just even from our our youth level here in Canada. I, you know, kids will see stuff they see in the NBA. And think that it's the same thing, and 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 try and address me the same way that <laughs> they do, uh, you know, that Draymond did. And, I mean, it's yeah. which I again, I I don't I don't take offense to it. It's just again, it's it's not the same thing. These are two mm-hmm. totally different leagues. They told two totally different uh, standards of it. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's just um, decorum. Mm-hmm. Let's keep the game respectful. Um, there's an etiquette to it. Yeah, uh, it's a beautiful game. Let's keep it beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think is one of the most misunderstood things about refereeing at a pro or a high level in basketball? Like, what do you hear people complain about or complain about referees and they just don't understand? Like, they just don't know what it's like to actually be there in the stripes with the whistle and making the calls. Um, one of the things that uh, jumps out to me is that, um, <laughs> and again, I'm not, John, you don't, this might uh, come, come, come back to a, uh, something you were mentioning before, but, um, uh, you know, sometimes players may think that a referee may be picking on them. Um, uh, they might feel targeted in a sense. Um, but in the, in truth, and, and again, like the game is so quick. Um, mm-hmm. we don't literally have time to analyze, oh, this player is doing this. And we, literally, if we see the infraction, um, and it constitutes a foul, like we're just going to blow the whistle, um, regardless mm-hmm. of who it is. Or, you know, the, the concept that players think they're being picked on or, or you know the referees just out to get them. It's just not. It's just not realistic. Um, you know mm-hmm. the game is just so quick. You know for me, for me to say, oh yeah, that's number twenty six again, and, and you know, and then to try and pull the, it just wouldn't. It just doesn't. You know what I mean? So um, mm-hmm. yeah, just players just need to you know be understanding that we're just out there to get the call right. You know, uh, mm-hmm. and we're not right. We're not right all the time. We are trying to be, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, the, there's no there's no targeting of players or anything like that. Um, other misconceptions, um, I don't know. Is there from a player standpoint? Is there anything else that I, I'm nothing else comes to mind? Um, this might not be a mis- misconception, but now mm-hmm. now I'm interested. Uh, you talking about the picking on on players thing, mm-hmm. and how you don't notice who the infraction was on until you're like taking the second to process after. Mm-hmm. And so one, one thing that's talked about often is, Oh, you can't give him his fifth foul on that play. You can't give him his sixth right. foul on that play. Right. And, and sometimes you do see like, Oh, and they didn't get their fifth foul on that play. Especially, <laughs> I mean, especially in the NBA with, with superstars, I'm trying to, it was Nikola Jokic in the uh, playoffs last year who got away with a 10 foul game because. Uh, <laughs> I do remember that game. How, how hard for how hard is that to keep track of and is it something that you usually do or is that just something that we only see in the nba because oh it's it's the nba and mm-hmm. they're told if you disqualify the guy you're not gonna mm-hmm. <laughs> work so and so um yeah. yeah um it's it's a um again we we try and be as aware of everything that's going on as possible um, you know, um, at the, again, at the speed of the game, you know, 
we do want to make sure that um, a player's fifth foul is one that we're not going to be like, oh, was that a 50-50? Again, we just want to make sure that's the right call. If it's a fifth, it's a fifth, right? Like at the end of the day, um, yeah. you know, um, and again, that awareness factor, I can I can say is developed over time as a referee. Like, you know, um, being a younger ref when I was coming up, trying to keep track of who had how many fouls and, um, you know, like it was over, it was overwhelming. It was just daunting, you know, um, and only, you know, with more experience, um, mm. now you're able to, okay, so-and-so player has so-and-so uh, this many fouls. Okay. Let's just make sure that their next foul is one that cannot be argued. Like it's, it's just, it's a foul, mm-hmm. period, right? And it has to be called, right? Because again, we're here to just call yeah. what's, what's a foul and what's not, regardless of who has what. So, um, yeah, the, and the NBA is, I, it's hard to say, man. Uh, these guys, mm-hmm. again, like they understand that people are there to see the the star players. Um, but the same concept applies. Like if it's the fifth, if it's the fifth personal, or sorry, in the NBA, the sixth, yeah. If it's a sixth, it's it should be the sixth, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that Nicole Yokes situation, it's it's unfortunate, right? Because that puts the whole thing into doubt, into question, like, or are mm-hmm. are they really trying to keep him around? And um, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like, you know, a foul is a foul, um, and we're just trying to give both teams the equal opportunity at winning, you know, regardless mm-hmm. if that means that their star player has to sit after um, so many fouls or not. So, yeah. No, it's a it's a great point of that. You just at the end of the day, you got to call whether it's a call, regardless of if it's four, five, six, one. Like this is it's a foul. It's a foul. The charge is your last charge when you tried to get tried to score to put your team up. Guess what? You you should have thought to make a pass. Like maybe try a jump stop next time. <laughs> you know, it's it's just the integrity of the game, right? Like we, again, mm-hmm. both teams are out there competing. If someone's in legal darting position and, you know, they get ran through by so-and-so trying to go through the hoop, you know, you, you just got to make the right yeah. call. And it's tough. And it is tough because we understand both sides of the coin. Like that's uh, X's team's star player. Um, you know what I mean? And then on the other side of the coin, that defensive player was in the right position at the right time and took it in the numbers, you know, and, and it's, and it's, it should be a chart. Mm-hmm. So every situation, I will say every situation is different. You know, yeah. I don't want to sound like a lawyer, but every situation <laughs> is different. Um, and again, we're just out there trying to get the calls right at the end of the day. What are your thoughts uh, on replay review? How uh, is that? So you have to FIBA, you have to U sport. I don't know how much replay you review you have in those. I, I played division three where there is very, very limited replay okay. review and pretty much whenever a coach calls for a replay review the entire stands everyone just boos him so there's very little <laughs> replay review at the level that i played at okay i know U sport is a higher level in a lot of in a lot of cases i know fiba is 100 percent a higher level mm-hmm. how much replay review do you have in that and how, um, how do you do you like it or do you think it makes your job harder um so uh i'll start at the um u-sport level so it has not been implemented at any u-sport level as yet uh, mm. i think um it's a te- it's a question of technology and uh you know uh budget funding and you know just the, va- the availability of it I, I do see us getting there one day um at the fiba level for um you know um tournament competitions uh it we do use it it's very very structured so there are very limited situations in which you can use it. Um, 
Um, has it made our job harder? No. Um, and I'll get to the NBA um, side of the point in a second. But uh, the FIBA way I thought was very well put. It's very, very, um, it's very, very white and black. Like it's, it's clear whether we can go to replay or we can't um, to, to review certain things um, or not. Um, mm. It's made the game uh, easier. It's cleared up ambiguity. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's there. I, I hope they don't expand it any further. Uh, and this is where I'll jump into the NBA side of things. Mm -hmm. uh, the NBA has far more replay scenarios, far more replay scenarios uh, than FIBA does. As we can see, uh, as we've seen also like the coaches challenge, right? Like FIBA doesn't have that concept. So on coaches mm -hmm. challenges, they'll be reviewing um, fouls, you know, mm. judgment calls. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that's to me, um, you you open in Pandora's box there. Once, mm. once you're able to, to contest it, it, you, it's comparable to like contesting or, or reviewing balls and strikes in, in baseball. If you, if you really mm -hmm. think about it. So, um, yeah, for the NBA guys, I can't, again, I've never reffed the level, but I, uh, I would think that it may have made the job that much harder. Um, just because again, you're not only, you're stopping the game to review, you know, a foul or not um you're stopping the game to review um in the la in their last two minutes you're, you're almost reviewing every possession in some cases we've seen some games where it just feels like it's just dragged on like we've we've turned um a minute and 30 seconds left in the fourth into 45 minutes a 45 minute episode right <laughs> mm -hmm. um so yeah i can't imagine that being easy um for the nba officials again really Replay has its uh, pros and cons. Uh, again, the, the goal is to always get the call right. Um, mm. But again, at some point, we have to ask at what expense, you know, like what are we sacrificing to get the call right? Um, have, we, have we lost the momentum? Have we lost the, um, you know, what we had at that point in the game to get a call right? And what mm -hmm. call is it that we're, we're trying to get right? Is it, is it possibly just a slight deflection on, on, on a pass that went out of bounds? Is it... Um, you know, or is it mm -hmm. something like a, a block charge situation? Uh, again, I think replay has its place for things that um, are obvious um, and that things that um, shouldn't have been missed, like um, mm -hmm. situations where, um, uh, let's say, a player has uh, their foot on the line for uh, a three-point attempt. That's mm -hmm. crucial, right? Um, and that's something FIBA does review. We need to know if that's a two or a three. End of the end of the day, we need to know if that's a two or a three. The game should be stopped because again, it changes the jeopardy for for both mm -hmm. teams, right? Um, but yeah, it, it does get very very slippery when you start uh, reviewing fouls, especially in late later game uh, situations. Yeah, I know there was a, a college game the other day that I I forget who was playing. I'm pretty sure it was an Iowa game that the last minute of the game, the last clock minute took 20 real minutes of time to finish <laughs> just because of the replay reviews and the timeouts and the commercials that were involved. So the yeah. replay review is it can it does have its benefits, like you said. I do think it has a lot of good things. And I like the way that FIFA does it where they have certain specific things that you can rule replay reviewable or not, but it definitely needs to be improved, I think, in the NCAA and definitely on the NBA level. Yeah, definitely some tweaks uh, to be mm -hmm. to be out there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, and you mentioned like the slight deflections. Like, like I remember there was a call where 
It was Lakers Clippers last year where Patrick Beverly blocked LeBron and it went <laughs> off his fingernail and they spent 10 minutes trying to review it. And I almost, I honestly felt like offended for the refs. I'm like, I'm like, they can't, they can't see that in real time. Like that's not what replay review is, is there for. That's not the spirit mm -hmm. of the rules. Right. And like, right. how are you going to get a replay review to make a call that no human being could make? Right. Um, right. I, yeah, on that point, I, I just think that um, the game, the game basketball is, it's, it's perfect in, in its imperfections almost, you know what I mean? There's some things mm. that we just gotta, like, you know, um, that we, we just kind of take for granted. Like, if yeah. we kind of just go back to playground basketball, like, we, we just kind of, you know, we make it, you know, let's mm -hmm. just get back to that in a sense. Like, okay, it's your ball. Like, you know, it was close, it was close, it's 50-50. Okay, your mm -hmm. ball type thing, you know? Um, Again, I, I I would like to think that they're going to um, you know look at it, and I know the NBA is super analytical. They'll they'll try and look at um, you know the, the time of the average replay, and and they've cut it down. They have cut the replay times down, um, but um, at what cost? You know, uh, at what cost, and 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 what are we uh, you know sacrificing to to get the the truest of the true? You know, the last fingernail deflections. Is it really worth it? Yeah. So. Um you mentioned you mentioned in FIBA that there's a there's very specific rules for what can and can't be replay reviewed. I was wondering if you could take us through that really quickly, just so that the listeners know yeah. what they're missing out on when they watch NBA games and have to watch every <laughs> review. Um. Yeah, replays on almost everything, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, as I, as I mentioned, so FIBA will review um, uh, foot on the line for a two or three in the last uh, uh, two minutes two minute period. Um, the review. They will review close deflections. Now, again, this, there, another difference is the referee ultimately has the last say on whether they will go to the review or not. It's mm -hmm. with the, the crew chief will have the um, will make the decision whether or not um, the review will be granted. Whereas the NBA, the coach can possibly say, "Hey, I want that looked at." Or mm -hmm. you know, or if, if there's enough um, hubbub, yeah, they'll they'll go to a, they'll go to a replay review. It's it's a little different in FIBA. Um, the um, the referee will make that decision. Um, mm -hmm. If ever there's a case where um, you know the referees didn't see who went out of bounds uh, in that last two minutes, yeah, they'll also go to review. Um, referees will, and this one's tough. This one's really tough. Um, Goaltending is also something that they'll review. Mm -hmm. um, whether goaltending occurred or not um, in FIBA. Um, and they also have the um, ability to upgrade or downgrade a foul. So um, to unsporting or not, or disqualifying or not. So mm -hmm. um, those are uh, different things that they'll review. Uh, FIBA will not be reviewing block charge situations. Um, yeah, that's you know, a big um, one. That, that's it, it a is. big one that I'm like, that's just... It's big. It, I, I just think that it's, you, it's wrong to look at players trying to stop on a dime and trying to review that in slow motion. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, um, this this kind of does get technical, but uh, a rule difference is here um, between the NBA and FIBA, that restricted area, the restricted mm -hmm. area underneath the basket. So I know a lot of times they will review in the NBA to see if the player is on the line because yeah. if the defensive player is on the line – uh, and contact occurs, uh, that player is automatically at fault uh, defensively. So defensive foul should be charged. Mm -hmm. Whereas in FIBA, 
Um, there is a same, there's a, a very similar uh, defensive uh, circle under the basket. However, the line does not, um, it's, it's officiated differently in that uh, a defensive player um, okay. cannot be, uh, if in legal duarding position, um, cannot be at, uh, at fault. Uh, for a foul. So again, it's mm. uh, it's different in the way it's it's looked at. And so people might not see the need necessarily to go to a replay on something like that. Um, yeah, just a small technicality in a gate. And, and again, the way the rules are 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 made. Um, and uh, yeah, ultimately officiated in both uh, FIBA and the NBA. Mm. And we watched a lot of us watch the NBA every night. We see we see stars like Luka Doncic or Draymond Green. Sometimes the entire Laker roster, or all five or fifteen, complaining hey, to I wrote referees that joke. I, I, you stole my joke. I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a recency bias, and that we think it, maybe it wasn't always like this. Players didn't used to talk to refs as much. We wanted to know your personal perspective. Do you think players are complaining to refs more now than they used to because of things like reviews and challenges, or has it always just been guys yelling, but now we just get to see it more often? I uh, I think I will, uh, yeah, we are seeing it more often. Again, the cameras are kind of, um, they're always on certain, certain individuals, um, whereas the way the game is filmed has changed too. Like I always think back to, um, I might be dating myself a bit, but like, yeah, the, the Jordan days or, you know, the Malone days, uh, Gary Payton, even that was a guy who was notoriously a talker. And, um, there, there's always been a lot of complaining in, uh, at the, at the professional level. Um, but I just think the way we are, the, the way the game is filmed now, um, we are seeing more of it. Um, yeah, the the cameras are panning into uh, the coach referee interactions a lot more often, which is something we, that wasn't necessarily done. Doesn't mean that mm-hmm. um, you know uh, there wasn't a lot of chirping before. Um, I knew that, like you know, back in the day, Jerry Sloan at at, at Utah um, was notoriously one of the most verbally <laughs> malicious <laughs> coaches uh, out there. You know what I mean? But again, it's not it's nothing we really the public general public really didn't see just because uh, again, those interactions weren't really filmed as much as, as now we're seeing a lot more of that. So um, it's interesting that there may be a little bit more drawing now. Um, um, yeah. The, and the legal, if it gets to a certain point, the legal probably want to address it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's at a point where it's, it's hurting the game, but it definitely needs to be monitored for sure. Mm-hmm. Because at a certain degree, like my dad's a pretty old school guy about his sports and his basketball, especially. And he's one of those fans who's more a fan of, look, you want to talk back to the referee, you're going to get a technical right away. Like, there's just no reason to talk to him. Let him do his job. You do yours, you know. So is that something you think the NBA could ever think about going back to just hard line? You don't need to have a discussion. Let this guy make the call. Or is it always going to be a little bit more just to... Hey, buddy, you sure that was a foul over there? Or maybe not for me. <laughs> uh, no, um, you know, one thing that is interesting is when the NBA players do play for uh, Team USA in international competition, because that's mm. when they are officiated by FIBA referees who are more along the lines of the game is to be played and not discussed. Mm. Um, and so they'll cut conversations like we're just not going to be talking every play. Um, so 
the NBA players can adjust. Like they have the ability <laughs> to go out there and just play. Um, mm-hmm. It's basically as was what I mentioned before. It's it's what you permit, you promote. Right now, the mm-hmm. NBA is permitting these guys to to talk. You know, um, whether it's part of the entertainment factor, I don't know what what they want. Um, but they're letting them talk. Whereas um, in the FIBA side of things, you know, it's just not it's just not going to happen like that. Like those things will be addressed. Technical mm-hmm. fouls will be given, whether you're mm-hmm. on Team USA, whether you're on Team, you know. The, Lithuania. Whatever, <laughs> Lithuania. Like, you you go past that line in FIBA, you're going to get a technical foul. Um, mm-hmm. And that's one thing, you know, I appreciate in FIBA, right? They're just going to, they're just trying to have the purest version of the game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and they don't take into consideration star players and, and all that. You know, a foul is a foul. A technical foul is a technical foul. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, um, you know, like their mo- model says, you know, FIBA, we are basketball. And they're, and yeah. they're, they're going to just, they're going to hold the line um at that so that's that's nice i i'm honestly a big fan of that if i was a referee i think i would just give people texts for you just don't need to yell like if you want to talk to me you can maybe come over here have a conversation after the game but there's no need to scream it's not what we're here to do ref i'll ever play with or you would give zero and i know there is no in between with you and it would vary by day until you figure out your groove i know you yeah yeah <laughs> It would be a learning curve for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, one thing I'm curious about is I, I talk a lot about mm-hmm. on our podcast. I talk a lot about the uprise in flopping and the difference between flopping and embellishing mm-hmm. and how I absolutely despise flopping, but I don't have an issue with embellishing. Mm-hmm. I'm interested what your perspective is on that as a ref. Mm-hmm. The diff- it, it, do you see a difference between flopping and embellishing and if so like what are, what are your thoughts like do they both suck do they suck equally is one worse is one better yeah um no I, you know if, as again being a former player um you can't fault um you know especially again i, I was a bigger guy playing right so mm-hmm. um if, if i take contact in the chest and i'm in good guarding position I might not go down as easily as someone else who's, you know, smaller in stature who takes the same contact. So, so again, you got to think of it, like, am I better off embellishing a little bit, right? Like just put a little bit on it, maybe try Mm -hmm. and get the same call that someone smaller would get. And we understand that we understand those concepts, right? So um, I can say from the FIBA perspective, they have come down on flopping, um, hard. They've come down pretty hard on flopping. Um, Typically, um, I'll kind of throw the European thing out there, but yeah, the European um, gameplay um, back a couple of years ago was heavy on flopping. It was mm. um, a lot of players going to the floor, a lot of head snapping back, you know, to try and get calls. Um, FIBA did come out with a, a flop warning now, an official flop warning. Um, mm. They're trying to cut that out of the game. Um, you'll get one warning uh, for flopping, uh, and a second offense um, for flopping is going to be a, a straight technical foul, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, they're trying to take it out of the game. And there is a difference between, you know, uh, flopping. Um, and again, in, and then the difference between flopping and then just, I guess, um, taking the contact and, um, you know, for what it's worth, mm-hmm. taking the contact for what it's worth. Like mm-hmm. um, we understand like if, the player of the ball is coming through you and, and drives your, uh, their shoulder into your chest. 
we understand that you're going to, you know, you're going to absorb that contact. Right. Um, and so that's not going to be considered a flop. Um, mm -hmm. We're just trying to take the things out of the game where players are ending up on the floor. They're now skidding across the floor, making the floor wet for other players unnecessarily. Yeah. Possibly skidding into other players, right. Um, on the floor. There's just no need for that. Right. Um, and again, um, there's been a lot of uh, clips where these are brush contacts or, um, you know, where you thought you were going to take a charge with the players bypasses you and then you still fall. Right. Mm -hmm. um, again, all that stuff is we're just trying to, you're just trying to take it out because it's just not necessary. Mm -hmm. um, and, the, and again, the contacts there we're, we'll make the calls. Um, but we are trying to take the flopping out of the game. I think FIBA has done uh, a pretty good job of, uh, of taking it out. Mm. overall um on the nba side of things um again like there is a lot of flopping there is a lot of embellishing um they're now they're now uh dinging guys for for in the pocket right trying to mm -hmm. take them out of the game i um the nba level is hard again because again the speed of the game um you know the athleticism of the players is it mm. really a flop is it really not a flop um mm -hmm. what's good is that the nba is taking the egregious flops like the blatant the nasty the, the ugly flop and they're yeah. penalizing them right with with um mm -hmm. with uh fines and such so at least that's being done um will flopping ever be out of the game of basketball no there's no chance um <laughs> it's just something that we're, we're we're just trying to mitigate and it's mm -hmm. great to see that um not only are the referees doing their part on the floor but um, the leagues like the NBA, uh, FIBA, um, on a, on an administrative level by putting certain rules and, um, you know, fines in are trying to mitigate flopping as well. Because again, we just, you know, we want the game played at its purest and mm -hmm. flopping, I, we always compare it to soccer, right? We, we just don't want to get there. No offense to any soccer uh, fans, but, um, we just don't, don't want to get any there. soccer fans on. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. I have no plan to me. cover MLS. <laughs> 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 yeah uh, no. you addressed a lot of the flopping on the the defensive end embellishment i wanted to talk a little bit on the offensive end too a lot of this advent in the nba of drawing fouls being able to get to the line the, the james harden sweep throughs and the the step backs jumping forward on three-point shots do you think any of that has its place on the offensive end or should guys just be trying to get to the bucket and if they get fouled you'll make the call like what is that the sort of shot like fouls on jump shots fouls attacking the rim when guys are just clearly jumping in the air for contact and then trying to make layups after what does that look like to you as a referee when you watch guys do that um you know we referee are uh, the the principle for us is we we're refereeing the cylinders right um mm -hmm. every player's got their own cylinder and you know i'm just speaking on the FIBA side of things but <laughs> you know if player with the ball goes into someone else's cylinder and this person's in legal guarding position hasn't left theirs, you know, mm -hmm. there's no reason why we should be calling fouls on that. Same concept, uh, interestingly, with the uh, three-point attempt. So, if, you know, I go up for a three-point shot and, you know, you're jumping by to try and block it and mm -hmm. maybe trying to pass me, but in doing so, you stick out your leg, right? Just yeah. to get that contact. Well, you know, FIBA's, FIBA's cracked down on that now. That mm. will now be ruled an offensive foul. Mm. Um, so, um, again, it comes down to your cylinder. You've got your, your cylinder straight up and straight down. Uh, if mm -hmm. you leave the ground from somewhere, 
um, you're still legally entitled to where you left the ground from. Mm-hmm. Okay. And again, with block charges, it gets a little more complicated, but um, you know, there's no reason why uh, if someone jumps into me, I should be penalized. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where it gets a little, that, that's where it difference, uh, differentiates from the NBA. Um, and the, uh, again, we talked about their uh, lower defensive box, right? Because that in itself is a different concept. Any defensive player uh, in that defensive box underneath the basket, um, whether you're in your cylinder or not, if you make contact, um, you know, and again, they'll say that, you know, sometimes players are coming out of their cylinder. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to be, you're going to be responsible for a foul. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the NBA side of things differentiates from FIBA. For sure. Um, but general consensus, uh, you know, offensive players just, you know, focus on, just focus on going, <laughs> just focus on making the shot. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if the defense is going towards you, the call will be made. You know, if the defensive mm-hmm. player was late getting there for the, for the block, you know, it's, it should be a block type thing. Mm-hmm. We we've talked a lot about different plays, different situations. I wanted to spoke, focus a little bit more on you and becoming a referee, just, what is that training process like? Not only just at the beginning to do local games, but as you progress through to, to eventually your class. I know it's like BA, if classes into international, like what is that? What are those courses like, and how much learning does it actually take before you can get your certifications? Um, you know, there's no cut and dry. Um, there's no cut and dry um, path, or there no there are no certain courses. Again, we we do have levels of uh, of refereeing. Um, mm-hmm. They'll vary province to province here in Canada. Um, but um, yeah, you, you just kind of, um, you get assessed, you get evaluated, you get seen by different supervisors, provide written evaluations, mm-hmm. um, video reviews. Um, and again, once you're, uh, you're meeting those criteria, you're, you're able to progress up the ladder uh, mm-hmm. as you fit, you know, like uh, balls and strikes are, are part of it um mm-hmm. also again just being in shape to 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 run um and keep up with the pace of the game is is part of it as well um yeah and then when you do get to that um you know those higher levels the the youth sport level um to mm-hmm. uh, get the opportunity to referee at the the feeble levels like again um once it's not that once you get there type thing it's like oh you're set and you can just coast um, I got to say, like, from the FIBA perspective, like, they've been on top of us despite mm-hmm. this, uh, this last year of, of COVID. They have been uh, sending a lot of written material, um, preparing us. We have an annual um, test that we have to write, um, mm-hmm. little test. Uh, they've been preparing us for that. We have to uh, run a beep test annually uh, and attain a beep test level, which mm-hmm. I did yesterday. Um, and let me say, it is not the easiest thing, especially <laughs> when you're starting to creep up in age like that. So again, they they want you to not only um, uh, they push you to get to that to, to as high as you can, but once you're there too, they expect you to maintain it and to be putting in the work to maintain it. So again, mm-hmm. uh, watching a lot of clips, um, discussions with um, you know your peers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Um, Wherever you're at, you know, for, for referees, wherever you're at, um, it's, it's, just, uh, it's just a matter of not getting complacent mm-hmm. and, and just remembering that, um, you know, it's com- competitive in the sense um, if you're not, you know, keeping up to where you should be, 
um, there's someone that wants your spot or, or wants to take your place. So, um, you know, we're always, we're always uh, encouraging people to just keep up, keep it up. You know, the, the, the mm-hmm. work on the floor rules wise, the rules are always changing. You got to stay on top of those. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, the supports are there in place. So. Mm. All right. So we got, we got mm-hmm. one last Last question. It's uh, okay. a shout out to my friend, Charlie Green from By the Green Media. He <laughs> asks a very similar question in every one of his episodes where he's interviewing interviewing uh, professional athletes. So I hope he's okay with me borrowing. I really should have texted him. I did not. Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> what are three things that you would like to take out or add to the game of basketball? And I think you're going to give an interesting perspective as a referee Mm-hmm. In that you're not going to be like, get rid of this because it makes my game better. So I want to know what are three things that you <laughs> think would make the game of basketball either more exciting or easier to ref or, mm-hmm. or anything that you think would make the game of basketball just better. Um, I would say first, um, from an NBA perspective, the restricted area, mm-hmm. I think, uh, in the NBA. So again, we're talking about that little half moon underneath the basket. I think that needs to be reviewed for a couple reasons. Um, I understand what it's there for. It's basically trying to remove any defensive player from standing underneath the basket. Because technically, if you're underneath the basket, you're no longer defending it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, um, their rules are so strict in that any player who's in that defensive box and makes any sort of contact with an offensive player whether it be to an advantage or disadvantage, there's going to be a foul called. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, I just think there are some marginal contacts um, that we're seeing at the NBA level. Again, these guys are so talented. They're so strong. Um, Let's just see a little bit more play through, um, you know, around the hoop, you know, Mm -hmm. like a little brush, you know, yeah. doesn't mean we have to stop the game now and go and shoot two free throws. It, for me, it's like, and that's one thing I really appreciate with FIBA. It's like, you know, we can we use that advantage-disadvantage principle a lot more often um, in our games, and it just helps with the flow so mm-hmm. much more. Um, I know Evan Hart talked on it much, uh, but from the N- NCAA side of it as well, um, again, a lot of marginal contacts and again, I'm not talking about marginal hand checks, you know, on the perimeter where, you know, a hand may be getting, you know, you, I might be directing a player mm-hmm. now because I've got my hand on their hip. Those are important to, you know, we want to protect dribblers, absolutely. But I'm talking more about around the hoop. Mm-hmm. Let's be able to play a little bit more. I would love to be able to see that NCAA side of things mm-hmm. and um, definitely the NBA side of things. Um, so yeah, definitely that's one thing I would change. Um, one other thing I would change, um, the three point line, mm. We're literally seeing entire roster, like, you know, when you get five players on each side, every single one of those players can shoot a three pointer. Like there's no more, for me, there's no more mystique in it. There's no more, mm-hmm. there's no more, you know, like, um, so okay, what's, the three points. what's yeah. that, sir? What's the fix? Like, I, I think we need to back that up. We need to back the three-point lineup. Like, mm. FIBA's, I think, uh, run 22 and a half feet. The NBA's 23 and a half. Again, mm-hmm. we just saw um, a couple of days ago in the NBA All-Star game, 
um, the three point contest, we I think it was a thirty foot shot, right? Like players are yeah. now that's like Dame Limmer, uh, Damian Leonard, uh, Lillard, sorry, uh, <laughs> Steph Curry. Um, those are like in game shots now, right? I'm not saying let's just throw it back to thirty right away, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that three point line needs to come back. Um, a bit right um i, I don't like that rule because i just added a three-point shot to my game don't make it any harder <laughs> for me <laughs> we're nixing that one. i'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, i like that um, that's been a definitely a big topic of conversation a lot that i've heard i've heard yeah yeah i mean uh the players are just so talented um and i just think it's not to uh you know it, i think it's just because it's become a norm let's kind of you know just make it mm-hmm. more more of a, a feat right um we're, we're, the game is is changed completely like if we even look at shot charts um from yeah. the during an nba game now the number of perimeter shots like number of three-point shots in the game uh, not that there's anything wrong with it right but um we're losing that there's the game is literally played either on the three-point arc or literally within three feet of the basket and that whole mid-range um you know between that area is is a non-factor Right. Mm-hmm. So again, I think it would be interesting, um, maybe extending the three point line. Um, mm-hmm. and as a result of that, I think the court dimension also would have to be extended because again, when you get to this, the corner mm-hmm. three point attempts, um, there's not a lot of room, especially from the NBA side of things. Yeah. I think there's about, uh, 17 inches between the, the three point line and the sideline. Um, we're getting, you just need more space, right? So some people's feet are bigger than that. Yeah, most NBA players got bigger shoes than that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, some people to take that shot that would have to be standing out of bounds. So yeah, mm-hmm. court dimensions. If we if they were to extend that um, just a bit, and I, and I think they'd have to play with it and see what the ideal um, you know dimensions would have to be, but uh, would definitely be interesting. Would uh, would change the game. Would change the spacing of the game too. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, yeah, definitely be something uh, to look at there. And um, I don't know. This one's on my mind. Just for what it's worth, if I could change anything. Uh, NBA All-Star Skills Challenge. I'm sorry. That's gotta, that's <laughs> hey, I made go. money in that. I like that one. <laughs> Two suggestions that I would like. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, this... You don't like watching guys not warm up and then like the tallest guy on the floor wins the skill challenge? Who doesn't love that? Well, yeah, I mean, maybe it's something for the for the big guys. Maybe it's out there for the big guys. No, who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, Too tall to look impressive while dunking. Not good enough at shooting to shoot threes. Let's put them in a skills challenge. <laughs> Let's throw them in a skills challenge. <laughs> that's really funny. All right, but that's, I, those I'm some great rules. Chaz, Chaz, you got anything? No, I was just going to say, I, I like that idea a lot. I hadn't really thought much about extending the NBA floor and just basketball courts in general. I do, as a player who's always been more predicated on just his athleticism and less his skill, I think that that would let a lot a lot more players take advantage of getting the speed up the floor. And maybe we wouldn't be able to see Giannis take two dribbles and dunk from his own baseline. It would uh, <laughs> change the change the aspect of the game a little bit. But yeah, no, it's been it's been great. I got nothing else for for you, Nate. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Lovely awesome. to see you again. And Thanks anything for you want to say before uh, before uh, we close it down? Yeah. Um, if, if I got anything to listen, um, anyone out there listening to this and they want to try their hand at officiating, whether it be uh, for whatever motivation, whether it's to say, you know, oh, I can ref better than Nate or whatever. Like, <laughs> please, 
just come give it a try, man. Please. I, again, mm. the game only, the, we need referees out there. Um, it's mm-hmm. a different side of the coin. Like if, if you've been the playing, if you've been on the playing side, the coaching side, just, just try the refereeing side. Um, it'll just give you that different uh, perspective um yeah. you know and 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 a learning point too you know it's and and we've seen a lot of people um a lot of our referees are again past players who never thought they would ever be basketball referees um mm-hmm. and now have are in love with it and it's a, and it's something you can do for years and years to come again it keeps you mm-hmm. fit There's a little yeah. change in the pocket as well and the camaraderie is something that a lot of people aren't aware of i'm telling you like there are some really great people in uh, refereeing that mm. not not only are are, are um, you know people I work with on the floor, but they've become great friends, brothers. Mm. You know, so mm-hmm. again, if if ever you're in doubt or you got that little itch, give it a shot. Now, just hit up your local association, pick up a whistle, and uh, <laughs> yeah, give it a try. We love that. We do need more good refs. Mm-hmm. Nate, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for getting on. I hope I hope to see you refing. I hope to see you refing one of my games at some point <laughs> in the near future. I, I can't wait to see you play, man. I man, it's been a while, so <laughs> it's been a minute. Anyway, this has been Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk. It's Ball Talk, baby. 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 Baby. Baby, baby.